What is up, everybody? This is Jack Bushman bringing you another episode of Talking Hockey. Today is Friday, November 9th, and since the last time we talked, the Blackhawks played the Carolina Hurricanes at home in what was Jeremy Colleton's NHL head coaching debut and the turn of the page into a new era of Chicago Blackhawks hockey. Unfortunately, it was not a good start. The results were not exactly what everybody was hoping for as the Blackhawks dug themselves a deep hole the first 25 minutes of the game finding themselves down 4 nothing on home ice. The Blackhawks continued to make the same mistakes that were killing them the previous five games that they had lost. No one was checking in front of the net, and the own zone play was not nearly good enough. Going back and uh, looking at some of the important moments throughout this game, Carolina's first goal of the game came from Andrei Svechnikov on a Jordan Martinuk rebound. But the play was made because the Blackhawks failed to clear the puck out of the zone. This goal, as much as I hate to blame single players for a play, it falls on the shoulders of Rian Ruta. If you go back and look at the tape, he makes two critical mistakes in his own zone in a matter of five seconds to allow this goal to happen. Rian Ruta has a chance to advance the puck up the boards on his strong side behind the net, but instead he turns the puck over to Lucas Walmark, who found the open man Martinuk in the slot. Once Jan Ruta turns the puck over, he also gets beat to the front of the net by the eventual goal scorer Svechnikov, who fought through a stick check from behind to put it home. Jan Ruta needs to realize once he makes one mistake, he cannot allow the domino effect to kick in and make multiple mistakes. He has to put that by him and make sure he gets back to the front of the net to protect his goaltender and you know, check uh, forward who might be there who was Svechnikov on the play. So two costly plays by a struggling defenseman for the Blackhawks puts his team down one nothing, less than five minutes into Jeremy Colleton's debut. You know, same story, different coach here. These are the same plays we are seeing right now over and over again by the Blackhawk defenseman. I do not care who the coach is. If you are making those types of plays and give that effort, you are not going to be a very good defensive team. For a guy who had been in and out of the lineup uh, pretty often so far this season, Jan Ruta played poorly when given his chance for a fresh start with a new head coach Thursday night against Carolina. Another uh, significant play that uh, was killer to the Blackhawks was the second goal of the night. Uh, the penalty kill was on the ice. Shift consisted of Keith and Seabrook on the back end with Taze and Kruger as the forwards. So pretty much the ideal penalty killers for this team out there on the ice. And even with their best penalty killers on the ice, the Blackhawks made basic mistakes to allow a third chance opportunity to be converted in front of Corey Crawford. Carolina does a nice job of working puck to the open man down low. If you go back and look at the tape, Seabrook's caught flat-footed way too high up, uh, not defending uh, down low on the penalty kill. Um, makes some concerning decisions here. He gets caught standing still, and Justin Williams is able to stuff the puck down low. And then Seabrook really makes no effort to get back uh, to the front of the net and tie someone up. He just kind of washes Justin Williams' hack and whack away at Crawford. Duncan Keith is left with a two-on-one in front of the net, and there's really nothing he can do because Seabrook has taken himself out of the play completely. These are plays that are really concerning to watch because Brent Seabrook may be on the back end of his career, but he still plays a very important role on the ice for his Blackhawks team, still playing important penalty kill minutes at the age of 33. But it just seems like all season long, Seabrook and Keith are not getting into those gritty areas in front of the net and checking people. They're allowing their opponent to get to the highest-priced real estate without even making them pay for it. 
Seabrook literally sits back and watches this play ha happen while his team is already a man down. Seabrook judged the play poorly and got caught out way too high flat-footed. He then makes another mental mistake by failing to help his team in front of the net by checking his man Justin Williams. Williams is able to hack away at a loose puck until his teammate Jacob Slavin is able to corral it and put it in the back of the net for a power play goal. 2-0 Carolina, Carolina after that, just nine minutes into the game. On the third goal of the period, we saw many of these same problems, as I say over and over again. I sound like a broken record. Blackhawks just keep on making the same mistakes. This time it starts with Eric Gustafson. He had himself a rough night defensively, making several turnovers in his own end. Here, he makes another bad play by losing a foot race and getting bodied out of the play by the pinching defenseman Justin Falk in the uh, offensive zone for Falk. Remembering when, remember when there were talks of Blackhawks trading for Justin Falk? Man, how nice would it be to have a guy like him right now? You know you could immediately slot him in as the number two guy playing with Duncan Keith uh, for this Blackhawks defensive core that makes me want to rip my own hair out on a nightly basis. Anyway, back to play, you see Eric Gustafson allow Justin Falk to win a 50-50 puck, which makes the difference in this goal. By Falk winning this battle, he draws uh, common puck watchers, <laughs> Nick Schmaltz and Arnim Anisimov, who are guilty of puck watching in their own zone way too often, allowing the slot to be <laughs> left wide open for their opponents. They got caught doing what they do best, which is puck watching. They both leave their men wide open in the slot. Again, it seems to me like Nick Schmaltz is making one of those plays, one of these types of plays defensively every game. His play in his own zone has not been good at all this year. Heading into the season, Nick Schmaltz looked like a lock to be signing a long-term deal with the Chicago Blackhawks, but his play through his first 15 games of the season has been concerning. It even caused him to be scratched one night in Edmonton. So it was nice to see Nick Schmaltz get aggressive and score his second goal of the season later in the game, but he needs to clean up his act defensively if he wants to be a center iceman in this league, and that's what the Blackhawks need him to be is the number two or number number one center iceman of the future. It was uh, back back Going back to the goal, we saw Justin Falk make a beautiful play to a wide-open Brock McGinn in the slot, and McGinn unselfishly moves the puck across to Philip D. Giuseppe, puts it into a yawning cage. So these same problems continue to burn the Chicago Blackhawks. Puck watching, uh, lack of playing the man and just watching the puck leads to Brock McGinn would have had himself a great opportunity in the slot if he chose to shot the puck, but he unselfishly decides to move the puck over to a wide-open teammate, Philip DiGiuseppe, for his first goal of the season. So this was another game where Corey Crawford played well. None of the goals were Crawford's fault, but the defensemen in front of him, <laughs> they've been weak all season long. No one wants to check anyone in front of the net, and this team needs to get physical, and I hope that that is one of the areas that Jeremy Colleton addresses with this team right away because it happens every game for the Chicago Blackhawks. Someone in front of the net finds a rebound or a loose puck or second or third opportunity because no one, none of the defensemen tie them up and none of the forwards come back check in front of the goaltender. No wonder why Corey Crawford broke his goal stick over the crossbar after going down 4 nothing early in the second period. He had allowed four goals in the first 25 minutes of the game and none of them have been bad goals on his part. They were all defensive miscues that could have been avoided, and that is exactly what Jeremy Colleton was saying after the game. <clears throat> the problems that the Blackhawks are consistently making, these are fixable things, things we are in control of, Colleton reiterated time and time again. The Blackhawks just need to do them. They need to go on the ice and execute. 
You know, you can watch all the film, you can practice all you want, but if you go on the ice and you go cold turkey, it's not going to make a difference. It, it's good that uh, Colleton is noticing right away there are flaws in the way the Blackhawks are currently trying to get things done in their own zone. And uh, while there may have been some confusion as to the defensive scheme Thursday night, you know, Joe Quenville plays zone defense where Colleton is going to play the more conventional man-to-man. -man. There's uh, no reason to let guys walk to the slot or the front of the net untouched ever. You have to make your opponent earn their goals, and the Blackhawks are not doing that right now. Looking at the Hurricanes' fourth goal of the night, uh, exactly just like exactly that happened. Calvin DeHaan skated from his left defensive position in the offensive zone right to the front of the net without getting touched. Henry Yokiharu was aggressive and pressured Tevo Teravainen on the half wall, which means the forwards need to support Yokiharu's open spot in front of the net. Well, that did not happen or come even close to happening as David Kampf and Alexander Fortan were looking behind the net where the puck was, of course, and Calvin DeHaan got himself a wide-open chance in front of the net to score his first goal of the campaign. That goal made it 4-0 Hurricanes just 1-20 into the second period. Not the start to the Jeremy Colleton era Chicago Blackhawks faithful were hoping for. So going back, looking at this, the first half of the game was just about as bad as you could ask for. Defensive lapses, turnovers in the defensive zone, uh, allowing power play goals, you get the gist. But the second half of the game was filled with hope and excitement and was the kind of play you like to see the Blackhawks play. I'm not sure if it was getting used to the new system, if there were some nerves that came with playing under a new coach so early into a season or what it was, but the first half of this game was not played by the same team that played the second half, or so it seemed. Patrick Kane was able to uh, finally get one past Scott Darling, who played terrific in this one. Kane jammed home a rebound for his 12th goal of the season and gave the Blackhawks some life as the fans were back into it. Blackhawks finally got some production out of their second period where they had scored just eight goals on the entire season. David Camp got a piece of a Brandon Saad shot to cut the Hurricanes' lead in half and score the Hawks' second goal of the second period. Brandon Saad continues to be assertive and play with aggression as he carried the puck strongly behind the opposing net and walked to the slot for a turnaround shot that snuck in off the body of David Camp. Originally, <clears throat> Brandon Saad was credited with the goal as it looked like he just put it top shelf, but apparently it ricocheted off the jersey of David Kampf. Blackhawks, unfortunately, were unable to score another goal in the final nine minutes of the second period, but they came out of the second with some, some momentum. We finally got to see the Nick Schmaltz everyone has been waiting for as Nick Schmaltz uses transition speed to take a feed from Brent Seabrook and carry it into the hurricane zone and use former Blackhawk defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk as a screen to beat Scott Darling blocker side early in the third period. It was Nick Schmaltz's first 5-on-5 five -five goal of the season, another reason he was scratched in Edmonton a week ago. This is the Nick Schmaltz that we need to see on a nightly basis. Collington needs to harp on Schmaltz to put the puck on that as much as possible because we need him scoring goals. We've seen Jeremy Colleton be very interactive and vocal with his players on the bench, something that you know we didn't really see often out of Joel Quenville. So it's good that he's stressing uh, the important plays that players need to be making right as they happen. You know, Jeremy Colleton, we saw him put his arm around Nick Schmaltz, giving him that comforting feeling, telling him, you know, it's okay, but we, we need to do this. We need pucks on the net you need to continue to be aggressive and play this type of hockey night in night out you know Nick Schmaltz in a contract year hell he should want to put everything on net 
Try to get yourself paid, Nick Schmaltz, especially when playing with Patrick Kane and on the power play. Schmaltz needs to be looking to shoot everything. Besides Alexander Dabrinkit, Hawks really do not have a right-handed player who can score goals frequently. If Nick Schmaltz can get his shot down, it adds a huge element to a power play that finds itself near the bottom of the league consistently, as it has you know, the last two seasons now. The Hawks' power play was 0-2 for 2 on the night and struggled once again to get much going on. There was about you know a 15-20 second glimpse or so on one of the Blackhawks' power plays where the puck was actually being moved around quickly and it made me think, holy shit, you know, would you fucking look at this? We're moving the puck around. And then, of course, it ended with no goal and a clear. <laughs> but still, I think there are changes to come on the power play, at least I hope. I hope Jeremy Colleton gets the pieces moving on this power play, gets the puck towards the net because it is just too predictable right now, you know. Everybody and their mother knows that the Blackhawks want to run their power play through Patrick Kane on the right half wall. But they had they have to have multiple dimensions or, you know, everybody's going to be able to just put pressure on Patrick Kane and take him out of the play and other guys aren't getting it done for the Hawks right now. Alex Dabrinkit and Nick Schmaltz, in my opinion, they need to be working on that backside one-timer as much as they can. Every practice, uh, day after day, opponents' penalty kills are able to pressure Patrick Kane at the right half wall right now because they know the Hawks don't have other weapons going for them on the power play. If it's not running through Kane, it's not happening for the Hawks right now. And other teams know this. That cross-ice pass to a one-timer that can actually score goals and fire the puck and not just act as a threat would make a world of a difference for this unit right now. They need to be taking all measures to make themselves better because only two other teams in the league currently have a worse power play than the Chicago Blackhawks. But this is a problem that has been happening in Chicago for the last two years. I do not expect these things to change overnight as that would just be an unreal expectation of Jeremy Colton. And I hope Blackhawks fans understand that, you know, he can't change the Blackhawks overnight. He didn't put this roster together. He can only do so much with the players that are given to him. So changes are going to come. Hawks fans have to be patient, and you cannot be uh, critical of Jeremy Colleton early on based on a win-loss record because the Blackhawks, they do not have a very good roster. You cannot judge Jeremy Colleton off wins or losses, but he will be judged off how he can fix a struggling power play and penalty kill unit and how he can uh, get this team putting pucks in the back of the net. So the Hawks need to take all measures to get themselves better. Uh, I do not like expect Jeremy Colleton to make this power play great, but there are things that can be changed to make this power play better. But the Blackhawks find themselves in a very tough situation right now. When Joel Quenville was fired, the front office did not want to use the term rebuild. Instead, we heard John McDonough and Stan Bowman use the term re-win, which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I get the idea. Win now, you know, that's the business we're in. Joe Quenville said that many times throughout his tenure here with the Blackhawks. But John McDonough and Stan Bowman made it very clear that they think this roster has playoff potential, and now I'm not sure why or how they feel that way because this defense is a joke, but they made it clear they're not wanting to break this whole thing down and start from the get-go. They feel that uh, we still have some strong pieces on this roster and they want changes to be made in the way they play now before the season gets lost, which is an interesting claim to make when you fire a head coach just 15 games into a season. So while it is obvious that there will be some time needed to adjust to the new systems and styles that Jeremy Colleton wants to run and bring in, uh, 
the Blackhawks really do not have time to be playing around and figuring out what works and what doesn't uh, if their front office expects them to be playoff contenders, which they vocally said they think. So I get the front office wants to be optimistic about this new move and they want to compete, but sometimes you have to be more real with the situation at hand. This defense is not good enough to make the postseason. I do not care who it is in that. I do not care who you have behind the bench. This defense right now, yeah, not getting it done. It is still a shame to me that Joel Quenville was the one who got blamed for this defense's play. As seen in the first period of Thursday's game against Carolina, it does not matter who is coaching. If you give that kind of effort and play that type of style in your own zone, you're going to get burned. Hopefully the man-to-man defense that Colleton wants to run improves things in the Blackhawks' own zone or else it's going to be a long season for you, for me, and especially for Corey Crawford. But one person in particular that could really benefit from this coaching change is defenseman Brandon Manning. Manning, of course, found himself in the press box for Colleton's head coaching debut, but Colleton told Manning at the morning skate to get ready for his opportunity because he he is going to get one. Colleton made uh, not Manning's um, physical style like he he stated that he likes the way that Brandon Manning can play and he thinks the Blackhawks need more physical players in the lineup and he thinks that uh, Manning can help out this team when he's playing the correct way. Brandon Manning was struggling adjusting to the zone defense that Joel Quenville ran for years with the Chicago Blackhawks, and he was vocal about it once Quenville was fired. Uh, Manning played man-to-man defense during his time in Philadelphia, and as I said, he admitted his struggles to Q's system. But now that the style of play is in Manning's past, uh, as he and the rest of the team will be making that adjustment to the man-to-man coverage in their own zone. I'm looking forward to this change of coverage in the defensive zone because, as you can tell, what the Hawks are currently running is not working. It seems every game, at least once or twice, multiple times, to be honest, the opponent is scoring from the slot because of failed support from forwards. Man-to-man, I hope, gives everyone an easier defensive responsibility of just defending a zone and waiting for the play to come to you. Man-to-man tends to lead to more of an aggressive playing style, which is exactly what I think the Chicago Blackhawks need right now. They're not winning enough of those 50-50 battles and need to do a better job winning races to pucks because this truly is a game of inches. And I I know that's a term that tends to be used with football, but those types of plays come into effect way more than you think. Take a look back at at the Carolina game. The third goal of the night came because Justin Falk won a 50-50 race to a loose puck against Eric Gustafson, and it was a play that, honestly, Gustafson should have probably won. Instead, Falk wins the battle, and in doing so, he draws three Blackhawks over to him. This leads to Brock McGinn being wide open in the slot, and he made a terrific pass uh, for his teammate to have a wide open net. This ends up being a one-goal victory for Carolina, so plays like that really do make a difference in the outcome of these games. Eric Gustafson wins that puck battle. This game could have gone a completely different way. Who knows? But winning those 50-50 races, you take away possible chances for your opponent. Blackhawks need to be more of an aggressor in those types of plays in the future, and hopefully the Blackhawks are able to end their losing streak Saturday afternoon in Philadelphia, a place they haven't won a regular season game in since 1996. So the Blackhawks making some adjustments to their playing style, and hopefully they end up on the winning side of this one. So that's going to wrap it up from me here today. Thank you to everybody listening. I appreciate it. Until next time, go Blackhawks. Make Chicago Blackhawks hockey great again. Peace.